Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's your host, Victor Gouveia, today with our brand new show, The Blind Perspective. On this show, we talk about topical news items from head headlines, and we give you the blind perspective on them, or at least our blind perspective. And uh, I had a whole bunch of people uh, invited to this show, uh, but only one came, but that's okay. She's my favorite host, Claudia Delarial. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am. I am so happy that you're here because your opinions always seem to bring me out of my shell. All right. And your favorite host will send you chocolates for saying the flavor, favorite host thing. Well, there you go. See? Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, everyone, if you like what you're about to hear, definitely subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page. And, of course, we're back on Twitter after being off of Twitter. Oh, we got somebody. Uh, you want to take over for a bit? While I will try. <laughs> so I didn't know we were off Twitter or he was off Twitter, but um, hey, it's all good. Apparently he's back. So <laughs> um, you can receive notifications if you sign up for them for Facebook and Twitter um, when any of the shows go live so that if you want to watch um, or listen at that point in time, you can. Otherwise, you can go back and listen to them at a later point in time. So um Today, I think that we are talking about how um, COVID and the pandemic have affected people with disabilities. And apparently, there are differing opinions on this. Yeah. So, uh, for the person who just came in, Paul, uh, it would seem that your device is not connected, uh, whether it be your microphone or your camera. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. The pro the uh, StreamYard won't let me bring you in. So if you want to try to come in either with another device or after you've checked your settings, uh, see what's going on there. Uh, I want to thank Claudia for talking as much as she did because sometimes, you know, the host can't do it all. We just really? can't. We thought you could. Yeah, but. I thought so too. But <laughs> you know, uh, I wanted to say, in addition, we've also done something special this year on this season. We're separating the podcast for each show. So if you happen to like the Blind Handyman or Blind Like Me or the Friday Film Feature, you can go subscribe to that podcast on Apple, Google. Uh, wherever you get your sp your podcast, uh, I believe even even the Victor line of players carries our podcast. So uh, yeah, we're on there too. So um, and of course, if you need a copy or or well, yeah, a copy of the video or audio of this program, just send us an email. Whose blind life is it anyway? At gmail.com and we'll send you out a. Dropbox link where you can download all the shows we have on our network. So Claudia pretty much had the gist of our show for today. Our main topic is whether we agree that COVID has affected the blind and disabled as much as the various media and organizations say it has. One of the big fighting points during the lockdown was how it was affecting people with disabilities and the mental, mentally disabled. Uh, I can understand the mentally disabled. I mean, if I was living with my in-laws, I would hate to live with them 24-7. Whoa. <laughs> right? So uh, I can understand that POV, but still, Claudia, you have a disagreement, though. You agree, You disagree with me 
in turn because I don't think it affected us that much. Oh, I do. Okay. I do. Um, so we'll talk about it from a, uh, I think the global perspective first, and then I'll tell you about, uh, I guess my experiences to a degree, mm-hmm. but, um, I do think it has affected a lot of people with disabilities. Okay. So we're already an isolated community in the sense that, um, you know, we don't always have access to transportation. We don't always have access to, um, people to assist with things like daily shopping or, uh, things of that nature. Right. Mm-hmm. So some of us don't have, let's say family supports to help with those everyday tasks that we need somebody to drive, uh, you know, from point mm-hmm. A to point B. So my thing is that, yeah, during the lockdown, um, you know, there was a lot less availability of all of those things because you had to social distance. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's say that you are a shopper that requires assistance, whether you're blind or whether you are a person with a physical disability who needs, you know, assistance navigating through the store or, you know, reaching for certain things if you're in a wheelchair or that kind of thing. You may not have had access to those people that would assist you prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I am lucky enough to, you know, I have um, delivery services where I live so I can do Instacart or I can do Walmart delivery or I can do, you know, so I wasn't necessarily impacted by that. But if if we would have been in this lockdown, you know, years back um, where those things weren't readily available, you're excluding a whole bunch of people from doing everyday things like going to the grocery store, um, getting to a doctor's appointment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, another way I think that this was in, that this was impactful is that people with disabilities have to go uh, to the vet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have pets. So I don't know about in Canada, but here, um, they were not even allowing you to go in with your, if you had to take your animal to the vet, you had to wait outside. They would come and get your pet out of the car. And well, same then, here. Okay. Yeah. But so how is somebody who doesn't drive, all right, and mm-hmm. who's dependent on, let's say, transportation to get them to and far from this visit, all right? Mm-hmm. Typically, you would go in and sit and wait, okay? You might not yeah. even be able to go back to the vet to to the vet's office or to the you know clinical room or whatever but you'd at least have access to be in the building so what do you do now when it's 20 degrees out and you got to take your dog to the vet and you had to take an uber what are you doing that was me (laughs) right that was actually me because we live so close to our vet um we essentially had to take her to the vet we had to wait outside in the freezing cold while the doctor examined the dog right but that is a lack of i mean so yeah it's a lack of you know accessibility in a sense that you know because we don't drive we're penalized Mm -hmm. you know in circumstances like this Because we Mm -hmm. don't have the means to be like, okay, we'll come back or we'll go sit in our car. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I would think, because I know you so well, I would think it would have affected you more because you have a very active social life. Uh, You go out with your friends to bars and enjoy yourself. Um. As opposed to me, who doesn't go out. I mean, worst case scenario, when we were driving, I would have taken the car to, or my wife and I would have taken the car to a restaurant and ate in. Uh, Not so much now, because we don't have that vehicle. Uh, However, I mean, 70 to 80% of the blind in North America don't have active employment. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to face that fact. 
And out of those 70 or 80%, 65% just sit at home. I think where the trouble comes in is when those people with disabilities have to rely on someone to come in and help them. Yeah, if you have no supports, um, you know, no family supports, and some people, some people with disabilities have what we call here like home help, like somebody to come in and help. Yeah, yeah, same know, here. Yeah, yeah, on a on a weekly, you know, maybe once or twice a week, help you do things that you may not necessarily be comfortable with doing or know how to do, um, laundry, cleaning, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> obviously, those things probably were not really happening. Um, during the strict, strict lockdowns, you know, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, we were all trying to keep our families safe and, you know, we didn't want to expose anybody, but nobody wanted to go anywhere, you know, yeah, uh, for fear of. So, again, those are critical services that people were lacking because, you know, they were unable to have those people come in to assist with that stuff. Not just that. People were seeing what was happening in old age homes and assisted living facilities where the workers would come in and infect the clients yeah. or the patients. So a lot of people were thinking, well, if, that, if, that, if that's happening in such a, an isolated environment as an old age home, how's it going to happen in my house? Uh, except people don't realize that in your house you're a lot more safer than in an old age home where you have multiple people coming in and out of the place. Yeah. And and if you're following protocol and things like that, and you know, you have somebody coming in and they're wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask, I mean, you know, or double masking or whatever your preference is, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, then you're probably, you know, safer than being out, you know, in, in a, in a residential facility like that. Yeah. Yeah. However, I still don't think that COVID affected us in as much as it did. I mean, media outlets, organizations like the CNIB, um, Oh, God, one of those places, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, was basically yelling at the at the prime at the premier and prime minister for making people stay indoors. So I still I haven't converted you. So we're going to keep going. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So so, um, two crucial uh, two crucial points here. Okay, so. Uh, the mental health, uh, I could definitely see how that was affected and impacted. Okay. So again, we're talking about people who already, you know, now you don't have access to your counseling or your therapy and you're on lockdown. Uh, wait, wait a second. Hold no, on. No, 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 no. But this was before you the telehealth. You cannot say no. that though. No, this was before in the beginning, there wasn't even here, at least here. Uh The pattern, everything was really, really shut down. There was none of this telehealth. Like that telehealth stuff really didn't come about, I think, for us until this pandemic. You guys call it telehealth? Yeah. Oh, it's called Telehealth Ontario here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just telehealth in general, whatever. For you can do it for regular physical doctor visits or you can do it for, um, for mental health visits, but it didn't really become a thing Mm -hmm. until this pandemic. So, but if you live in a, like, let's say you're already living in a, let's say a treatment center or um, like we have some uh, facilities here that provide mental health treatment that are also, they provide housing, Mm -hmm. but let's say you don't have access to the internet to do telehealth or you don't have the ability to do telehealth just because you don't have the cognitive wherewithal to use the internet or the computer or whatever. And again, you're locked out of services. But you're not. You are. Because everybody 
no, sh I shouldn't say everybody, 95% of people, no matter what their income bracket, has a phone. Yeah, but you don't work with the populations that I work with. And I guess you don't see it from the yes, point of you, view. Yes, I do. I have no, worked with that population. You, okay, but I'm working with people with all sorts of disabilities. Yeah. Okay? A lot of the people that I um, work with don't know how to use technology. They just don't, you know, um, for either lack of, or, you know, or, or don't have a smartphone. They just have a basic, honestly, a basic phone to, to make a call and maybe store some contacts and stuff like that. Um, so I think, I really do think it's still exclusionary. Like, they didn't have access to all of those things that you previously had access to. Okay, but I'm thinking that you don't necessarily have to do it virtually. You could do it over the phone, though. Yes, that you could. Um, I do know of facilities that were doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so. one thing that was a mainstay here was the ability of uh, the various social workers and therapists to be able to call their patients to ensure that they got the treatment that they needed. That's not happening here because there's such a shortage of um, you know, and again, this is also how you guys handle medicine versus how we do. There's mm -hmm. already a shortage of mental health clini clinicians, um, social workers, therapists, psychologists, psychologists. The, the waiting list mm -hmm. for here to receive mental health services it, are, are long, okay? Mm -hmm. It is hard to get good mental health because there's a lot of turnover for us mm -hmm. in the States. Um, so that wasn't happening. No, I agree with you. There is a, the wait lists for mental health services are enormous. I mean, over here, I'm, I've had to wait six to eight months for mine. And I'm still waiting. So with or without the pandemic, it's the same thing. Maybe for, my, maybe for maybe for mental health, yeah. I mean, maybe it's not as you know. Maybe it was not as impacted. I don't know. See, I I converted. Maybe you, you have. Maybe you have on that. But <laughs> and um, on top of that, let me let me say this. Okay, the majority of us, as blind folks and people with disabilities, don't go out partying everywhere or. Uh, going to bars or going to parties or s talking and seeing friends. The fact is, we're usually home alone, reading our books, uh, doing our computer things, whatever. That's kind of a judgment call. I don't necessarily well, agree not with necess that. I said the I mean first of well, first and foremost, I said the majority of us. I did not say all of us. True, but I mean, and second of all. I can't, I can't, I can't argue with the facts. Those are actual facts. No, there are a lot of people that stay home, but, um, so I'm, you know, I, I work, out, I work outside of the house. I, I work full time. Um, I do have the ability to work from home certain days. Um, but I, I, it impacted, um, it did impact people's social lives. I mean, obviously, if everything is shut down, um, you know, you can't go out to meet friends for dinner or drinks or, you know, social events or gatherings that you would typically do. And I was used to doing that, you know. Um, it's funny because I had just started to come out of my, um, you know, my son is older now and I, I did, I spent a lot of time at home. And then when he became older and a lot more self-sufficient, I'm like, okay, I can start going out and he doesn't need me as much. So mm -hmm. I started going out not too long before the pandemic. And it's funny. It's just funny that things happen the way they do. Um, Cause I didn't realize how much I needed that, you know? Um, yeah. 
that other side of, to explore that other side of myself other than being a mom, um, you know, that you're, you can go out and, and be an adult and have a social life and be a friend and, you know, mm. dating and all those kind of things or whatever uh, that I didn't typically do before. So when all of that is taken away because there's nowhere to go and nothing to do, it, it really um, led to, I became depressed. Um, yeah. The, the working from home and all, being at home all the time even in the evenings, you know, I was already at home for work and then I couldn't, I had no outlet. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it was easier in the spring or, you know, in the warmer months because I could at least go for walks or run errands or whatever, but you know, there still wasn't a whole lot happening socially. So it was very, it was, um, in the beginning it was cool. I'm like, Oh, all right. I work from home. Great. Uh, but it was, it got pretty dark real quick. <laughs> and that's why I say, I mean, people like you, I, it, I think it was more a hardship for businesses, company owners, uh, who had to force their employees to work from home and had to get more technology in order for their employees to work from home. And like I said, people like you who have healthy social lives are very hard to come by. I'd love to say that, hey, blind people are happy-go-lucky people, but the fact is we're, the majority of us are not. The majority of us stay home. We channel surf on TV. We go on our computers and read our email or or chat, or on Facebook, regardless. And we're doing things on our phone, or iPads, whatever the situation. So how much could it have really affected us? Well, I mean, but aren't those things important? Like, okay, you have your wife to do the shopping, and to do the whatever. Yeah. But what if you didn't have her? Or your daughter. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I am not saying that it didn't affect us in any way. I, I, I acknowledge the fact that it affected us, but only in as much as it affected everyone else as well. Mm. Granted, granted, there were some areas where we were more affected because let's face it, we can't social distance ourselves. We need help with that fact. Yeah, that's a good example because I remember one day, I'm not sure, but why I don't typically shop by myself anymore. Not because I can't, mm -hmm. uh, but just because I don't really have to. And if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. um, but I know how to do it. But I was by myself one day at the store and, or, yeah, it's like when you go to get prescriptions or you're in the pharmacy line, you know, mm -hmm. you don't know how much six feet is in front of you. So you're judging by the sound of people or whatever. And I'm trying to stay back. What I'm thinking is an appropriate amount of space. So I'm not crowding somebody in front of me. And you have to really listen and follow cues um, audible cues on mm -hmm. when it's okay and safe to move forward or when you should or shouldn't, you know? And it's like your guide dog isn't the one who's going to observe that distance. No. Yeah. And exactly. you can't expect him to. Exactly. But Exactly. I mean, if you're, especially if you're walking sighted guide, and right. for those who don't know, sighted guide means you're holding onto a person's arm or shoulder as they guide you around places. And your dog is on the other side, but not working. But not working, yeah. Um, having said that, it did affect us in that regard. So let me give you another example. So okay. I'm still trying to convert you. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. So I have read, I have read, I, I went and did a little digging, but prior to this, I had read some stuff. Um, and... I will uh, clarify that before I say any of this stuff, 
I, I read a lot of reputable news sources like um, NPR and Bloomberg, stuff like that, okay? So okay. it's not just hodgepodge crap that I'm getting from the Hollywood Reporter or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. You know, so I, I, I give that um, disclaimer up front, okay? Sure. So I had read an article a couple of months ago um, on one of these that one of the ways, and, and I do, and I have seen this, one of the ways that um, the pandemic has affected people with disabilities in general across the board, whether mm -hmm. you're blind, whether you're deaf, whether you're uh, whatever, um, is if you are receiving social security benefits. Mm -hmm. Here's why. Uh, since the pandemic, social security offices uh, across the country are totally locked down, shut down. They still are, okay? Mm -hmm. um, you can only go in um, by appointment and it's at the discretion of, it sounds like it's at, kind of at the discretion of the people that you speak with right. um, over the phone, whether or not you get an appointment granted. So there have been a lot fewer disability claims filed during the pandemic mm -hmm. because you can't even... Again, we're talking people with disabilities who have possibly have limitations cognitively or physically and can't use the internet, okay, to file okay. to file their um, their application for disability. Mm. Or if they need replacement social security cards or if they have a discrepancy in their payments. You're shutting out a whole bunch of people because you can't even access the system. Because yeah. you cannot contact social security you cannot go into a local office they are all closed to the public still so that is it it, it has um the studies have proven that the um you know the amount of claims that have been filed has has decreased significantly since the lockdown and the availability the ability to get help when something okay. is going wrong so that is a big to me, it's a big issue. Well, here's an even bigger issue. And it's not really an issue. It's a boon. The fact is, because of the pandemic, a lot of government agencies did away with their wait time. Let me give you an example. Are you kidding me? Hold not on. here. Hold but on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. When... I'm, uh, I live here in Ontario, but I moved out to British Columbia for about eight months. Now, normally, the deal is you move into a, a new province and you have to wait at least three months before you can even apply for health care. But this time... They simply said, oh, that's okay. You don't have to because of the pandemic. <laughs> well, lucky for you, but that is not happening here. Really? No. I mean, regardless of, uh, I mean, regardless of disability, like I, two examples of uh, federal, of there being issues with federal um with wait times in terms of the federal government are the IRS and social security administration. Right. Um, people, uh, people who filed taxes last year with the IRS, there are over 6 million people still waiting for their returns mm -hmm. as of just last week or something like that. Um, again, I do a lot of reading. So, uh, oh, and, cool. and social security and IRS is the same thing. Um, you can't get through to people. You know, um, nobody is there to answer questions. Uh, so that is not necessarily happening here. It, the wait times have have increased um, to get services, to get help, to get whatever you and questions answered. Well, point of order here. The fact is people with disabilities and health, the poor, don't generally file taxes because they have no income. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so how did it affect them? Again, you're only referring to 20 to 30% of the disabled population who have gainful employment, who uh, have benefits and other such things like that. At the end of the day, most people with disabilities do not have any of that stuff. They don't have employment that they need to report to the IRS every year. They don't have uh, medical bills that they can claim off their taxes every year. They have but none of What about of family support? I mean, let's say you have family. It's not considered friend. income. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying okay. in general, what about family support or friends support? Let's say that, okay, maybe there's nowhere to go, but you have the ability to be, you know, have transportation or whatever to get to your parents' house or to get to your best friend's house or whatever. But now you're not even doing that because, you, you, because, you know, in my case, like uh, my parents live in the same town that I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I barely saw them during the lockdown. Why? Yeah. Because they're older and there are some underlying health conditions on, mm -hmm. you know, on their parts. And so in an effort to keep them from, you know, um, keep them safe and healthy, you know, all of that stopped. So, you know, I wasn't visiting my sister, my brothers, my mom and dad, you know, and, and it's, to me, it was even more isolative, I think, I guess, as maybe some people are okay with the isolation that disability brings, because it does to a point. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, regardless of whether or not I work or not, I think um, that isolation is real. So I would imagine that even if even if I wasn't doing all the things that I typically do it's still impactful it's still very impactful in terms of getting help no in terms of even just having human contact right the socialization of it all but it's not even socialization well i mean it is but i'm not talking about going out but even just going to a sister's house or going to your parents you know what i mean to have and again that conversation yeah yeah it's socialization but you know, at the same time, it's just everyday human contact. I mean, I don't know. Like, well, I, he, I get what you're saying. But here's the thing. I my sister, my sisters and my brother who live in the same city as me, I have access to public transportation that runs 24 hours a day. And I see my sisters once a year. At Christmas time, we call each other often, but I still see them once a year. My brother, I haven't seen in a dog's age. But that's a personal choice. Like, oh, it's not a personal choice. I love my brother. No, no, no. I'm in saying fact, if I could have him over, he could, I, I'd be a lot, I, I'd be so happy because my computer woes would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's a personal choice. Like to me, you you think that that's uh, I, that's that's a whole nother issue. But like, it sounds like you're saying, you know, I get to see them. I still get. To, I get. I'm not talking about once a year, or the fact that you live. I'm talking about like we're close knit family, and in the sense of we would see each other once a week, or sometimes, uh, a couple times a week. How many times would you call, or they call you? All the time. All the time. Yeah. Okay. Define but that for me. All the time. I talk to my sister. I talk to my mom every day. Um, okay. That is because, and my dad several times a week, it, um, just to check in on them, make sure everything's cool, you know? Right. And just brief conversations, just, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Uh -huh. My sister, I talk to her every day or every other day. My brothers, I talk to them probably a couple of times a week each. Uh, so, so yeah, we're 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 close knit. So the fact that now you're not seeing those people, you know, like it had been months 
since I hadn't seen my my siblings. Right. Um, and it had been, and, and even if I would see my parents, it would be to drop something off, but it would never be to go in their house and visit with them just yeah. again, because, you know, just for health, health and safety reasons, you know? No, I see what you're saying about that socialization aspect. And I think, yes, I think it affected more, uh, more people or sorry. I think it affected some people more than it did others. For example, you, for example, who are very social and you actually need that socialization to get through the week. Hell, you need it to get through the day for that matter. Hell, I need it to get through this moment. No. <laughs> no I'm just and kidding. that's what I'm saying. See? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. At the end yeah. of the at the end of the day, I have to look at the larger picture. In other words, hey. We're people with disabilities. We don't have a life such as yours. We don't have a life where we can afford to take Uber, for example. I mean, how much would I have enjoyed going out to sit in the coffee shop and just drink my coffee? But I couldn't. Well, okay, sorry. I could because we've got a a bench, uh, a place to sit down outside. But a lot of people couldn't. You can go to some coffee shops and they don't have outside benches or tables that you can sit on and enjoy that coffee. Take a minute out of your day or what they call mindfulness and enjoy your coffee. There are some places where you can't do that. And I think that didn't affect those people very much because they had to drink their coffee at home. <laughs> I would have enjoyed to go there and do it, but no, you know, I couldn't do it because everything was in a lockdown. So I guess we're going to agree to disagree, and that's okay. Like, yeah. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to, like, come after you with, I don't know what, but, yeah. A bazooka. A <laughs> yeah, bazooka. I guess. An yes. AR-15. Yeah. What are you talking about? AR-15. Whoa, you're packing the big guns. <laughs> I read a lot. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. guys, <laughs> you, are, you are more than welcome to comment on what we are talking about. We have the comment section below. Please leave your comments and let us know what you think. Do you think I'm being unreasonable? Or do you think Claudia is being snobby? I mean, come on, folks. Let us know. Are you being snobby? Um, apparently, you think maybe I am. <laughs> no. I'm asking the general public. <laughs> Aha, uh -huh. I see. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm just going to keep plugging away at this because, you know, I just keep thinking of more examples. But your global point is okay. I guess it's the fact that I don't like it. I don't like people with disabilities being portrayed in a, like, I feel like it's, it's, um, the way you say that some of us are, well, a lot of us are just happy with staying home and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that, but maybe that's a whole nother topic. You know, I think there's a lot of people with disabilities out there hustling and trying to find employment and just can't get it mm -hmm. uh, because employers are just not willing and receptive. Okay. To so employers. It, yeah. Yeah. So it might be my biasness on that on not wanting to, I guess, totally agree with you. Um, so it could be that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I like to look at things from a, I always say I'm a pessimist, but I guess I'm really not, um, from a more positive perspective. And, and I know lots of people that are out there hustling and looking and can't find, you know, um, mm -hmm. employment. So I guess I don't like us being portrayed in that, you know, negative light and i kind of want us to all be living our best lives <laughs> mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. to speak 
you know? No, I get you. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the, I mean, your stats are right. And I mean, I'm not questioning that, you know, 70% of the blind, uh, you know, just that I, I only have that stat. I don't know what the percentage of people with disability is that are unemployed, but 70% of the blind are not employed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some people do like staying home, but I do think that there's a hope that there's a good amount of people that, you know, uh, are out there trying to, to work at it and move forward. But um, from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. I mean, the fact is we aren't just physically disabled. There's a lot of us that are mentally disabled in that society just thinks of us as a certain type of person. They underestimate our abilities. They uh, overestimate our our abilities. They think we're all daredevil. And in the end, we've got those types of barriers to get over. Having said that, a lot of people have a tendency to prefer the quote-unquote laziness factor as opposed to doing something they need to do. And this isn't, this isn't anything that I am posing an opinion on. These are straight-laced facts. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever given okay. a thought to what would happen or what would have happened if yeah. you would have been a person with the disability, whether it's blind or not, and ended up in the hospital with COVID and on a ventilator? What are your thoughts about that? I need you to clarify the question. Okay. Uh, what? Clear cut. Well, no, I mean, what, what what kind of thoughts should I have given it? What have you, uh, just in general, have you ever thought about what your, what you would experience as a person with a disability in the hospital with COVID Mm -hmm. on oxygen or on a vent? I would say the isolation that we're all being well labeled with except even more so well actually less so because there you've at least got a nurse coming in to look at you, uh, to take stock of your vitals but you can't see hour. them or you can't touch them like okay if it, i think about this and i i i've thought about this from the beginning okay uh-huh. is yes the isolation isolation factor is real and it's something that everybody experiences okay there's no question about that yeah but the way that this was being handled and it's still being handled like this is if you were in the position that you were on a vent if you were getting oxygen it's a different ball game and you might be able to have visitors depending on where you were and that kind of thing okay Mm -hmm. but if you're on a vent okay and you have uh vision Okay, you can at least see if they give you an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, you can see your family members, right? Right. Okay. So as a person with a disability, you have no vision or, you know, um, you're in a wheelchair or whatever. Your other, you know, you're using your hearing, you're using your senses. You don't have the ability to see your family or whatever, when the time is coming, you know, like say near to if you're going, if you're, you know, basically at the point About of you're going to pass away. Yeah. Right. So you don't have that same ability. You don't, you can't see your family. Um, yeah, you can hear them, but it's not the same as them being physically present with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just find that so heartbreaking. Um, I had a friend who died of COVID in May of 2020, um, mm-hmm. he uh, was blind. And I cannot imagine that in your last days that you are so isolated that nobody, not even your wife, can come in to say goodbye. Because 
that's, you know, of course, how strict things were for everybody's safety. Um, mm-hmm. But he couldn't even feel her presence or hold. Nobody could hold his hand except a nurse or whoever. And how Im, what's the word? Impersonal. Is that. Those are my thoughts. The, these are the things I think about. And honestly. Well, when you heard that story, what went through your mind? I'm telling you that what went through my mind was that I hope to God that I don't get this virus and end up in the hospital because if I do, I have nothing or no one. That's how I saw okay. that. Okay. And so, I, and that would have been the case whether I, again, it's, you know, I think it's even more impactful for somebody with a disability. I really do. Well, Yeah, I have to disagree with you on that. <laughs> the fact is, no, no, at the end of the day, the fact is the circumstances don't change. Just because we are in a hospital as opposed to our bedroom, the circumstances don't change. We're still isolated in that location. Yeah, but wouldn't you want your wife or daughter to be able to physically come Well, in? hell no. You wouldn't. No. I wouldn't want to give them whatever I have. In fact, I would insist they not come near me. I don't know. I guess. I mean, it's all... It's all you know, daisies and flowers when you want your your family to be with you when you kick off this mortal coil. But have you given a thought as to why you're kicking off this mortal coil? Yeah, I have. And I honestly, um, I can tell you from personal experience, um, I had a family member that was hospitalized just this past Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and and thankfully he was not on a ventilator but things were um, pretty dicey for a bit mm-hmm. um, and you know they were on oxygen and uh, honestly uh, the individual was not doing well um, emotionally and mentally it took a, it took its toll you know while while they were in the hospital yeah and I was willing to make that choice. I was willing to go because I could not, I could not not go and wonder about what ifs, if something were to have happened. So I was willing to go do that visit. Did you get to talk to them? Not much. But you did talk to them. It was, yeah, yeah, but it was not easy. Because. No, I'd expect it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I would imagine that it would have been even harder had you caught whatever they had. Yeah, but I was willing to take that risk. I really was because this is somebody that's very important to me. And I, again, if something would have happened, I could not, I don't think I could have dealt with uh, my not being able to have been there. And I have to ask you, you were willing to take that risk. But was the other person willing to take the risk of infecting you? Um, yeah, because they had other visitors. E- so it, it's a- yeah, but how much, how much did he actually have to say in that regard? I mean, he... For example, and I'll give you an example. When I had my coronary bypass about two two or three years ago. I have to say, I was lying in that bed with that tube in my mouth on a ventilator. And my aunts came to see me. Uh, my brothers and sisters came to see me. And all I could think was, get out of here. I don't want to talk to anybody. Not to mention, I can't talk to anybody because I got this huge stupid tube in my mouth. 
So I didn't really have a say on who could see me. Now, having said that, if I was on that ventilator, but I had COVID as opposed to a coronary bypass, there's no way I would insist that the doctors and nurses not let a single person in to see me. And if they did, they would have to be remotely. Go pick up a walkie-talkie, <laughs> grab a cell phone, go through the PA system. I don't care. Maybe it comes from my having watched that movie starring Dufferin, uh, Dufferin, Dustin Hoffman, Outbreak. When I realized, you know, in the part where Dustin Hoffman f realizes that the virus has become airborne. I mean, that chilled the core that anything, any virus for that matter, can be spread through simple air contact. But that's already been known. I mean, I'm not here to dispute the science because I am by no means, you know, a scientist. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I mean, a colds, colds are airborne and coughs are airborne. And you know what I mean? I'm not saying not to be afraid, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, again, you and I see it differently. Like, it, I, I think because I know my family, mm -hmm. I know what they would do. And it's what I would do. And we would go and see each other. If this was if this was what was happening to any of us, we would do it. We would Granted. do it because it's just okay. what you do well, in our family. That's what you do. Right. Right. Okay. So you think decorum would dictate that you should be there for them and present in the same room if they were to pass pass on. Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I don't blame you for what you're thinking because before I became as enlightened as I am, I was willing to do that too. I didn't care what I would catch. I would be in that room holding that person's hand to make sure they didn't die alone. But now I can't help but think, well, what does the patient actually want? Yeah, I get that. I mean, we talk about last, you know, uh, what I, I forget the name of it offhand. Um, last wishes and things like yeah. that. Do you want to be, do you want... Uh, do you want oh yeah here's a perfect example they asked us whether we wanted heroic efforts to um re re well to wake up my dog should she have issues mm -hmm. and you know i was saying oh well yeah and you know, somebody else was saying, well, no, we can't afford it. Oh, it's funny. We just had the same thing happen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, uh, that's an interesting dilemma when you're facing off with someone because you it don't is. want your dog to die. But at the same time, you can't afford to not let him die. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think for me, it's just, um, and, and, and at the end of the day, this is probably what it is too, is it is probably selfish for me to think that, you know, I would want someone there or the important people in my life. No, no, it's not, happening. I don't, 
Wait, well, stop. No, I think it is. I think I it is think to a so. point. If you look at it from a global standpoint, and you know, the science has said that this is, you know, what what it's supposed to be. But from a pragmatic standpoint, right. yes. But hell, would I want my son there to touch his hand there? Or yeah, I would. And or would you like to hug your son before you die? If I could, probably. Yeah. If I could. And, and, and like not... I said, I don't blame you for feeling that way. We are emotional creatures, like it or not. And a lot of times, emotions tend to dictate our actions. Even though logic and common sense would say, Get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. But one has to wonder, which do we pay attention to most? I would think that logic and common sense would, would prevail if only to keep us alive. But, you may feel differently. Yeah, and that leads to the bigger question, which is not going to get answered here. You know what I mean? But it's how how long do you stay afraid of this virus? You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm not scared. I'm right. boosted. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted and whatever, backwards and forwards, upside down. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not saying I'm immortal at this point. You know that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting fact that you brought that up because our next uh, item that we're going to be talking about has to do with that. Yeah, so I think it's you know it's at what point um, do you stop? I, I I've always not saying that I'm not afraid of anything because that would mm -hmm. be a lie. But I do know that I refuse to live in fear in the sense that, you know, just on a daily basis, like, uh, I don't want to do that because I'm scared of doing that. No, not necessarily, you know. Uh, so at what point do we... At what point do we stop living in fear of this thing? Because I don't think it's going away. I, I mean, and again, this is a whole new, I'm opening up a whole new, uh, you know, set of ideas or whatever, but it's not going away. We cannot stop living. Uh, you know, it's, it, everybody's tired. Everybody is tired of the restrictions and the lockdowns. And while I'm not saying I don't agree with them, I'm saying that we have to, as a society, move forward. We just got a comment from Gloria Miller. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Uh, Yay. She, <laughs> she says the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine have explicitly acknowledged the Gene, what? That their gene therapy technology has no impact on viral infection or transmission whatsoever. Huh. Okay, but I'm not sure where that came from, Gloria. Maybe you could elaborate because I don't think we were talking. If you want to come on and actually voice your opinion, you guys are more than welcome to. Just let me know in the chat if you want to come in and we can uh, get you Explore in here. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, what, how, I'm not sure how much time we have. Oh, well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Your question was just answered, Alexa. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Um, so. I, I'm not sure if we have time to get into our second item. Uh, and I was specifically going to talk about the 
trucker convoy that's making its way through our great country of ours. Well, my great country. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, American drivers think Canada should be punished for its actions. Uh, essentially, the truckers are protesting the government mandate that any truckers coming over the border must be vaccinated. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I happen to think otherwise. I mean, if this thing can travel from person to person and that trucker has to come in contact with way stations, border patrol, diner customers, blah, blah, blah. I think precautions should be given. What I think, think this is going to be a good topic because... And it's going to be a controversial one because it's mm -hmm. not just the truckers or whatever, I'm sure. It's not. We have our own uh, examples here in this country of people who are against, uh, you know, against being vaccinated. Yeah, especially, uh, for example, people, EMS, emergency medical service workers, uh, firefighters, police, nurses don't want to get vaccinated. And in the end, do well, and and I think I think this is going to be one hell of a topic to get into because we've already been talking for about an hour, um, and this kind of topic is something that will go unanswered for today. What do you think, Claudia? Oh yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> these are not. There are no easy answers. And a lot of it is personal choice and preference. And, uh, yeah, we are not going to resolve the world's problems in an hour. <laughs> By any means. Um, I did have a thought about, I don't know, but I lost it. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would love to get into this topic or talk about this news item because... I mean, I'm hearing stories about how the trucker convoy is affecting local businesses, uh, people who live around the protest areas. For example, these trucks are blaring their horns. Oh, my question was about this. Who is checking? Who is checking this? Who is checking to see who's vaccinated or not? Because here it's caused issues. I mean, I'm sure it has there, too. Um, again, remember, he's in Canada. I'm in the U.S., you know. Mm -hmm. um, but who is honestly checking whether or not you're vaccinated? Because I have not been asked for my vaccination card at any point in time throughout this. Yes, I was once. Um, and I don't remember why, but it was mm -hmm. a healthcare provider situation. So that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. But. There have been instances where people have gotten uh, very belligerent uh, because you asked them about vaccination status mm -hmm. or people have been, you know, shot in their own store because they're telling you you can't come in without a mask. Oh, yeah. So who is checking? Yeah. And, and even the, and do I mean, we have the ability and personnel per personnel to uh -huh. to do this? And, and uh, you're right. And it's even getting as bad as these convoy people are starting to get violent. Where it's supposed to be a peaceful protest, it's starting to become violent. And in fact, um, oh, shoot. What's that? What's that donation? GoFundMe. Yeah. GoFundMe has canceled the account that they have 
for people who wish to donate towards that cause. Right. They've pulled it off. They didn't, are not allowing any more donations. In fact, you have until February, uh, was it February 15th or May 15th? I'm not sure of the date offhand. But you have until a certain time to get your money back. Gotcha. Because the truckers aren't going to get it. Yeah, this one's going to be. <laughs> I mean, it's all because they broke their terms and conditions, which say you are not supposed to fund violent or hateful, hateful right. activity. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot to get into. A lot of it. A lot <laughs> of it. And uh, as much as I want to keep Claudia on the show, because I love how she and I actually talk, we're great at it. We have to end the show, folks. Remember to like, share, and subscribe, and uh, check out the. Uh, Blind Perspective podcast that will be available soon and um, again I want to thank my guest Claudia well actually she's going to be my co-host <laughs> oh I've uh, been promoted yes there you go and all you had to do was say, uh, <laughs> all I had to do up. was show up <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for coming and listening to us folks as you can tell this may be our second season, but our production values still say the same. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see everybody next week, Saturdays at 5. And be sure to come back tonight for SNAP, the Saturday Night Adult Party, where, we, where Monica and I talk about sex, sexuality, and relationships from a blind perspective. Thank you for coming, and we will see you later. Thank you all for watching and listening. <laughs>